I want to share with you a passage of scripture. In Luke chapter 4, I want to read Luke chapter 4, verses 18 and 19. Jesus was coming back to his hometown of Nazareth when he was beginning his ministry. And he went into a synagogue where the believers were gathered together and he began to read a prophecy that had been spoken many years before. And the prophecy that Jesus read is here in in Luke chapter 4, verses 18 and 19. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He hath sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. Jesus then closed the book and and he looked at those that were listening to him and he said, this day, these words are fulfilled in your midst Jesus said, these words, this prophecy that was spoken hundreds of years ago is fulfilled because I am here, the Messiah, and I have come to do this. The Spirit of God is upon me to preach deliverance, to set free captives, to bring the good news to those that are in darkness. And, you know, as I thought about those words recently, my mind immediately went to what Jesus said at the close of his earthly ministry to us, his disciples, And we find that in John chapter 20, verse 21. In John chapter 20, verse 21, what did Jesus say? Very familiar words, and yet I want you to think about these words in the context of what we just read. Jesus said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. I have been anointed. I have been sent to do a purpose, a mission. And then he looks at us, his disciples, believers, and he says, Peace be unto you, as my Father hath sent me, so send I you. As the Spirit of the Lord is upon me and has anointed me to do a work, to set captives free, to bring the message of deliverance to those in darkness, that's what I'm sending you to do. I want you to be little Christs to the people around you. I want you to be my body, my church, my hands and my feet, and I want you to minister to others. I am sending you as I was sent. As the Spirit of the Lord came upon me and anointed me, I am breathing my Spirit upon you and anointing you, and I'm sending you to do a work. I just believe that God wants us to catch a fresh vision for the fact that he has sent us, he is sending us. Today, it's not just the Sobe family in Ukraine or other missionaries that you as a church support that are doing the work on the front lines. We are all on the front lines. And every one of our ministries is, is as important as any foreign ministry. Take my word to the ends of the, the world. We sang about it today. But taking it right across the street or right to our workplace is just is important and valuable in God's eyes. He's called us all to be missionaries. I want to share with you Jesus' words as he shared about the prophecy of Isaiah and what we read today. I want to share about it with you for a few moments in the context of our ministry in Ukraine because I just believe that God is wanting to do not only through our lives but through your lives as well as a church just what Jesus has, was sent to do and has now sent us to do. First of all, we see here that he 
Jesus said, he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. You know, Matthew 25, 40 says, Inasmuch as you feed or clothe or help one of the least of these, my brethren, Jesus said, whatever you do for one of the most seemingly insignificant of these, what did Jesus say? You've done it to me. You've done it unto me. James chapter 1, 27 says, Pure and undefiled religion before God and the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their trouble and to keep oneself unspotted from the world. The gospel of salvation in Christ Jesus, the good news of salvation is for everyone, but God has a special interest in the people that have been neglected, the people that have been forgotten, that have been rejected, that have been marginalized by others. I believe that God has a special interest in those poor souls, those, those people that have been neglected and forsaken. And, you know, for us in Ukraine, applying this, being sent out to Jesus, by Jesus to preach the gospel to the poor, sometimes that means bringing food and, and clothing as we do to those that are poor in our village. Sometimes that means bringing groceries and, and sharing uh, what we have with others, and we do a lot of that. It, it means helping those that cannot help themselves. Uh, means ministering in that nursing home. It means reaching out through our, our village council to the people. We go and we say, do you have any people that we can visit, that we can share groceries with or our food with? And you know, our village council, they, the members, they just look at us and they say, what do you want in return for this? They're not used to that. They're not accustomed to that. And we say, we are doing this for Christ's sake, for God's sake. And that opens their hearts to the Lord. Sometimes it means just reaching out to the children like we have our Sunday school ministry. There's a, a girl named Valia, Valentina, we call her Valia, who came when she started coming a couple years ago. She was about 11 years old. She's 14 years old now, and she's continued. She's one of those kids that have continued. Some of them come and then go and, and come and then go. Valia, she stayed with it. She started coming to Sunday school. She lives not far away from the center of our village there where our ministry center is at. She started coming, and you know, she just kept coming, and her heart has opened up more and more this past year. She started coming not just to Sunday school, but to the church services that we have for everybody. She wanted to hear more. She wanted to know more. She's a 14-year-old teenager now, and this last summer, she came forward. She repented. She gave her heart to Christ, and she's trying to grow. She's trying to serve God. In fact, I, she, she loves to write poetry. Here's a girl that if you would see her home, if you would see the conditions, she has no father. She lives with her mother and her grandmother in very poor circumstances, and, and, and yet... She's wanting, she didn't know anything about the gospel, didn't know anything about God, and yet she's reading her Bible, she's coming, she's learning, she's growing. She's been writing poetry. In fact, I have one of them in Russian. She, she comes up and talks to myself, and Pastor Scott, Aunt Oksana, look what I, I wrote this, this poem, and, and she loves to write poetry to the Lord. It sounds a little prettier in Russian, but I, I interpreted a few of the words so you could hear what, what this little girl who a couple years ago, didn't even know who Christ was in our village. What this little poor girl is, is writing now. Oh Lord, please give me mercy, truth, joy, and love. And in the moments of darkness, strengthen me in you. On Calvary's cross, you shed your holy blood and said, forgive them, Father. For this, I give you thanks. For this, I love you. Her heart is growing in love for the Lord. And you know, it's children like that that 
are having the chance that Oksana didn't have when she was a little girl in the, former, in the Soviet Union at that time, that we are delighted that we can preach the gospel to the poor and bring them the good news through your support, through your prayers. I want to show you a picture of Valia here. That's, that's her on the left. And that's her grandma, who now her grandma just recently actually had uh, sugar diabetes and ended up in the hospital. And we were able to visit her and, and pray with her. And she's actually been coming now. And, and she's not gotten saved yet, but she's listening. She's opening her heart. So you pray for Valia's grandmother also that's standing there by Oksana, that God will continue to work in her life. You know, the second thing Jesus said, he said, he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted. I think we can all agree that there are a lot of broken-hearted people in our world today. Sometimes we don't even know the broken hearts that we're working around, that we're studying around, that, that are our neighbors, that are close to us. But there are people whose hearts are broken, that are suffering pain that we can't even imagine. They've got a smile that masks that pain, but Jesus sees what's really going on in their heart. God sees that, and he wants us to open our eyes and to begin to sense and feel the needs of the brokenhearted. He has sent us to heal the brokenhearted with his word. I love the moment in Matthew chapter 9. You remember the story where Jesus is walking through a big crowd of people in Galilee, and this Galilean woman, out of all these people pressing in on him, reaches out and just touches the, the she's only able to touch the hem of his garment. And you remember, Jesus stops And he says, who touched me? Who touched the hem of my garment? And his disciples were incredulous. They said, what are you talking about? Everybody's here pressing in. There's crowds of people. But Jesus sensed that one broken heart there, that woman who had been suffering for years and years and years and was desperate for healing. And he sensed that woman. He senses today. He knows our hearts. I believe God is interested in those whose hearts are broken. And I don't know what you're facing today, what circumstances you're experiencing in your lives, in your marriages, in your finances at home, but, but God knows. And, and he wants to heal the brokenhearted. He says, come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. And, and you know, God, it calls us. He sends us now. He says, so send I you. I'm sending you to go heal the brokenhearted with the message that I have given to you. There's a boy, another boy in our village, Yegor, who, Yegor also started coming. He was, I think, one of the first ones when we opened our Lighthouse Ministry Center. I believe he may have been the first one that walked through the doors. And, and ever since then, any time the doors of the Lighthouse are open, he's there. If it's English lessons, if it's Sunday school, if it's church service, if it's after school popcorn and, and, and little movie that we show the kids after school sometimes, if it's like some kind of evangelism or whatever it is, he's there. And his heart is hungry for God. And this, this last year, he also repented. And he told me right before I left here, he said, Pastor Scott, I want to get baptized. And I said, you pray and I'll pray too. And as soon as we get home from Ukraine, we'll talk more about that and we'll, we'll begin preparing for that. He's excited about serving the Lord. He's 14 now. He was just like probably 11 or 12 when, when we opened the ministry center. But you know, Yegor also the more I've gotten to know this boy and, and as he plays even with our son David and as they spend time together and as I've seen him grow, I've realized more and more what a broken heart he's had. He's never had a father. His mother, I don't know that I've ever really been around 
his mother very much when she's sober. Um, at different times, Oksana and I have heard the way that she speaks to Yegor, the language that she uses, even though he's a good boy. He tries his best. He's got a little sister from a, from a different father that he, he pretty much has to be the, the big brother, the, the dad. And, her, and even though he's 14, he, sometimes he'll, he'll skip school because no one's there to be with his little sister. Um, We've helped them move in the last two years, I think four or five different times because they get kicked out of one house and they get into another and then they, they uh, end up destroying it. Uh, well, not Yegor, but his, his circumstances there. And, and we've, we've tried to help this family. But you know, Yegor, he wanted to know more about the Bible. He said, can, can, I, can we start studying the Bible more? And, so, and it wasn't enough just what he was hearing in church and in Bible studies. And he wanted some personal discipleship. I said, absolutely. We started meeting together every week. We do that now. Yegor and I meet together every week. And sometimes others join us. But sometimes when it's just Yegor, I say, Yegor, tell me how I can pray for you. What's going on at home? And at first, sometimes he's like, oh, just pray for my little sister Katya. Pray about this. But sometimes when I look at him, I say, Yugor, how, how about you? It's got to be hard, Yugor. It's got to be hard to not have a dad, to, to, to have the circumstances that you have. How can I pray for you, Yugor? And sometimes he just begins to sob. Here's a 14-year-old boy that would never show it to anybody else. And he just begins to cry because his heart is broken. And he looks to our family as a family. He looks to me as a dad. And he looks to our children as brothers and sisters. You know, God has sent us. Here's a picture of you, Gore, by the way. This was on his birthday, Aksana. We got a cake for him. And, and that's uh, after the service, we had a little party for him. Because he's not going to get that anywhere else. God has sent us to reach out to those whose hearts are broken. If you met Yegor today, he would smile. He'd be so amazed to meet you. He'd be happy. And you would never guess, except maybe because his teeth aren't real good. You know, he's never been to a dentist. Maybe because uh, you would see that he's not as clean as maybe our American children are. But you would never guess by his smile what was really going on, the broken heart that he has. And yet God sees that. And he has sent us as the body of Christ to heal the brokenhearted, to bring them the love of Jesus Christ. Not only has he sent us to heal the brokenhearted, but he sent, Jesus said, he sent me to preach deliverance to the captives. To preach deliverance to the captives. John 8.36 says, If the Son makes you free, you shall be free indeed. You know, people are looking for deliverance today. They're looking for freedom. And, and they think freedom is the power to do whatever you want. And actually, freedom is the power and the deliverance that God gives us from sin to do what we should do to glorify him. That's real freedom. And if the Son of God makes you free, you shall be free indeed. And we have seen God bring deliverance to, to souls in Ukraine. It's wonderful to see. Uh, this last winter, there was this... Uh, uh, Guy, he actually one of the children that come to our uh, children's outreach. Um, I, I visited the little apartment there where they live, and and uh, I knew that there was alcoholism in this home and everything else. But I met the boyfriend of this this child's mother, and he came out. I'd never met him before, and he introduced himself. He said, "Oh, I've heard a lot about you, Scott, and and uh, my name is Alexei. We call him Alosha." Um, he said, uh, I've heard a lot about you. And um, he said, so you're an American? And what are you doing in our village? I said, we are Christians. We are here to, to share the good news of Christ. And, and 
and he looked like he had seen a ghost. He looked at me and he said, you're, you're Christians? That's why you're here in this village? I said, yeah. And he just kind of looked away for a minute. He said, oh my goodness. He said, I, I said, what's, what's, what's going on, Alosha? We've never met before. He said, I, I'm going to tell you something that I probably, I don't know if I should tell you, but I'm running away from the law. The police don't know where I'm at. He said, I, I, I actually met Christians in the city. There was a city about an hour away from us. I met Christians there. I started going to church. They were trying to help me get over my drug addiction and alcohol addiction. But he said, then I started committing more crimes to, to get money for, for my addictions. And, and he said, I, I had to run away from the police. And so I, I ran away to this little village. I thought, Balky, Ukraine, they'll never find me here. And, and he said, I'll be away from those Christians too. He said, I can't believe that God found me in this village. Here, you're standing here and you're talking to me about God. It's, it's like I can't get away from it. I said, that's right. I said, God's, God, God's not going to give up on you, Alosha. God is not going to give up on you. And he, oh, I, I invited him to church and he started coming and he would ask our little congregation to pray for him and he'd cry sometimes and I would pray with him and sometimes when I'd come to the house or he'd be drunk, other times he would... He has a beautiful voice and he would ask for a guitar and we would sit together and we'd sing hymns together and he would just, his heart was was opening up and yet I could see he was struggling and I said, why won't you give your life to Christ, Alosha? What what kind of life are you living? Look at this emptiness you're living in. Don't don't you want the deliverance? He goes, Scott, I know what's going to have to happen. He said, I know what it, I, I know what you've preached. I know what others have preached. I can't just get saved. He said, I'm going to have to give my life to Christ. It's not a matter of just believing something in my head. He said, I know what God's going to tell me to do. As soon as I repent, I'm going to have to make some things right. And I'm not ready to do that yet. I said, Alosha, the reward is worth the sacrifice, man. Don't, don't you stop short. You obey God. You take the first step and he'll give you grace to take the, the other steps. Oh, he wasn't ready yet. And then one day he disappeared. And this, the boy from our Sunday school and whose home he lived was just heartbroken because he had, but, but he just disappeared. And I knew what it, he had been wrestling, he'd been battling with all this. About a month and a half later, I was in Zaporozhye, the city about an hour away. I was at a conference actually uh, speaking at a church there and up walks in, in nice clothes, sober, is clean. Alosha comes walking up to me at this church service with his big grin on his face. He said, Scott, I heard your family was going to be here today. And he said, I just had to tell you what I did this last week. I got saved. I repented. He said, I I knew you were praying for me. The the conviction got too heavy. I had to leave the village. He said, I I, I knew what was going on. I knew I was living a a sinful lifestyle. I knew what what I was doing was wrong. And I I came back to the city here. And he said, this week, I turned myself into the police. And he said, I got right with God. I turned myself into the police and I have a court hearing next week. And he said, I'm going to jail. I know I'm going to jail, but I don't care anymore because my heart is right with God. I'm free. They can lock me up as long as they want to. I know my heart is free. That day, I want to show you a little picture. This is Alosha standing right here with me. I said, Alosha, can I get my picture with you? I might not see you again for a while. (laughs) But I said, you know, and he said, absolutely. I got a call from him a couple weeks later. He said, guess where I'm at? I'm in jail. I'm in prison. 
But he said, I'm so happy because my heart is free. And I found some other Christians here. We're reading the Bible together. And he said, I'm all right, Scott. Don't worry about me. They gave me a couple years, but it's, it doesn't matter. He said, I'm free. I've been delivered. I know God now. I've been forgiven. I've been delivered. Thank you for praying. Thank, please tell the church I'm sorry for everything I did. And, and tell them thank you for praying. And as soon as I get out, I'm going to come back and tell them all thank you. God is bringing deliverance to the captives. And he has sent us to preach deliverance to the captives. You continue to, if you would, to pray for Alexei, for Alosha, that God would work in his life. Not only, Jesus said, that as he sent me to preach deliverance to the captives, Jesus said, he has sent me to preach recovering of sight to the blind. You know, there are people all around us that have a problem that's far worse than physical blindness, as, as terrible as that is. They have spiritual blindness. They're going through life, and maybe you have loved ones, neighbors, that it's just like they're blind. They, they can't see how much God loves them. They can't see the, the, the condition that they're in, the need they have for a Savior. And yet God is able, through prayer, to open their eyes, through the working of his Holy Spirit, to open their eyes. And Jesus said, he has sent me to preach recovering of sight to the blind. Second Corinthians chapter 4 says, The God of this age has blinded the minds of those who do not believe, lest the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine on them. One of, uh, another boy, Daniel, Daniel, that came to, and it still is coming to our free English lessons and, and Sunday school. His father started coming, Andre. And Andre started coming and listening to, he's about my age, and, and he started listening to the Sunday school lessons and the English lessons and started getting books from our library. And, and then he started visiting our church services. He said, you know, my, I, I came here for my son Daniel's sake, to these English lessons and outreaches, but he said, now I realize this isn't just for him. This is what I need to hear. I never, he said, I grew up just like Oksana did under communism. I never heard about God. I never knew this. I never, why didn't I, all these years I've lived and I've messed, made a mess of my life, of my family. And I had no idea as I'm reading the Bible now, as we gave him a Bible, as I'm reading these books I'm realizing that all the time, God had the answers, and I didn't know about it. Why didn't someone tell me before? As we sat together and, and talked, he, he often told me, I cannot believe what I'm seeing. Why didn't I know about this before? Why didn't I see? God has it all. He, he tells me over and over, God has it all right here all the time that I was living out there in, in sin. He had it here. Andre got saved and that picture of, of the baptism, that was Andre. Just right before we left here, he, he, he got baptized. And he is so excited about being a member of the church, about serving the Lord. Here's a picture of Andre and his son Daniel um, right after his baptism just a couple of weeks ago. Andre is so excited about serving God, about living a new life. He's praying for his wife, Lena, because he wants her also. She at first was skeptical, and we had her over for dinner with Andre and Daniel, and, and, and she's become more and more accepting of, of, she's seen the change in Andre. She's seen that he's a different person. And she tells him, I, I don't know about all this God stuff, but I'll tell you something, I see a change in you. I see that you're a different person. And, and so... Here's a person who was blind. And, and he told me, I, Scott, I never knew. I never saw it before. And now, it's like my eyes have been opened. I said, that's exactly what's happened. 
Your eyes have been opened. Jesus said he has sent us to preach recovering of sight to the blind, but he's also sent us to set at liberty them that are bruised. To set at liberty them that are bruised. There are people who have been so hurt in this life. They need to be set at liberty. One of the notorious drunks of our village, Yuri. Yuri, uh, people in our village knew about him. He was a young man, but he already has the scars of a life that has just been completely devoted to drinking and partying and carousing. Uh, he was living with the mother of one of the children in our um, children's ministry, and, and I met him a couple of times, but he was always drunk, and, and his, his life was just a disaster. And then one day, it was on his birthday, it was, it was uh, November a year ago, it was right on his birthday, he was partying with some friends and got into a fight. They don't even know, he was so drunk, he doesn't even have an idea who did it. Someone robbed him and beat him up and, and put him into a coma. And for several months, he was in a coma. And we found out about that and we're praying for him, for Yuri. Uh, he wasn't waking up. Uh, he had severe, they were afraid, brain damage. Uh, he had scars. They had to put a trach in, in to, for him to breathe. And on the day that we found out, it was a Sunday, I remember, because we were meeting at church. We, they, they said, the hospital said, we're going to just uh, take him off of life support because He's not showing any progress, and, and it's just there's no money to, to keep him on this in this little, little town uh, that he was in the hospital near us. He woke up that very day. They were going to take him off life support. And a few weeks later, he, he got out of the hospital, and the first place that he came to was our little church, the lighthouse. And he came forward and repented. And, and he thanked the church. He said, I know you. I heard you were praying for me, and I, I believe that I'm here today because you were praying for me. And you know, he's been in our church since then for the last year. And, and God is, is helping him. And, and you, he still has areas he needs to grow in, but, but he's trying and, he, and he's, he's moving forward. But here's a guy, he still, he walks with a limp. He can't talk quite right after his, and, but he, you know what he says? During our men's Bible studies and, and services, he'll, he'll stand up and share and testify sometimes. And he'll say, I know that this is for good. I wouldn't be here today if I wouldn't have gotten bruised and beaten into a coma. And I believe, my friends, that, that there's people in our world today that are, that are bruised by life, that are suffering, and Christ has sent us to preach deliverance to them as well. He sent us to, to see them come to him for the deliverance and salvation that's in Christ. The last thing that I want us to notice that Jesus said today in, in this passage in Luke chapter 4 Jesus said, he has sent me to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. The acceptable time of the Lord. The time is now. 2 Corinthians 6, 2 says, behold, now is the acceptable time. Now is the day of salvation. Jesus said to his disciples, lift up your eyes, look around you. The fields are white with harvest, they're ready. Don't say, well, soon there will be a harvest. Soon there will be revival. Right now, God is wanting to work. He's wanting to transform lives. He has sent me to preach that now is the acceptable time. Now is the opportunity. We see lives in, in our village in Balky and in our surrounding area. You know, every time I stand outside my house, or I stand on the, the, the threshold of our little church there in the center of our village, and I see a funeral procession go by. My heart breaks 
because the life expectancy, I don't, I can't remember what the life expectancy is in Ukraine. I think it's like 55 or 60 years old. You, you know, I've never met a single Ukrainian that's ever had like a heart bypass surgery. Um, I'm sure right here in this congregation, there's people that have had heart bypass surgery. I've never met a single Ukrainian that's ever had a heart bypass. You just die. When you get sick, you die over there. You don't have surgeries. You don't have operations like that in a village. People, the life and people are perishing around us. And, and every time I see a soul come to Christ, I rejoice because God got the victory. And that's one more soul that found that now is the acceptable time. An old man in our village named Alexander came last year to the ministry center and he repented he, at first, he, he wasn't quite sure about everything, and he, inter- he met us. He, I remember he was a, this, just a typical Ukrainian peasant guy. He came in with his big the boots. They were all muddy, and uh, he walked into our ministry center, and, but he had enough, he, 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 re- he took off his boots and set him down by the door and walked in in his socks into the church there. And it's like, hey, that's all right. You could have come in in your boots, that's, but yeah, that's all right. Uh, he, he was just this... Uh, he, he, we, we had a couple days after that, we were starting our playground uh, project. And he came the first day of our playground project to help. He's an older guy, but he had a rake and he wanted to help out there. And uh, he had not yet repented at this point, but, but he was opening his heart. And uh, I, I had a glass of, or a, a bottle of water there. It was a hot day. And he said to me, oh, no, you're living in a Ukrainian village. You need to try some of this. And it was, he has goats. And it was this, uh, like, like curdled goat milk or something that had been out in the sun for a couple of days or real sour. And he's like, this is much better than water. And I said, well, it's not real cold. It's kind of, he's like, oh, you no, know, cold isn't good. Cold is bad. He said, you need warm goat's whey or whatever it was. I, I said, well, that's great. You couldn't drink that. I'm glad you're, no, no, I want you to try it. I, want, I said, that's okay. I just drank some water. Nope, I, I insist. And so, you know, I took it and... I just grinned and said, God, help me, and you know, drank it. Wow, that was unique, Alexander. Thank you, you know, and uh, just this just great Ukrainian peasant guy. And we started visiting his family, his wife, and, and, and they, she started coming to some services as well. But Alexander really started growing. And, and after he got saved, uh, he was there at every service. In fact, we got, there's a picture of Alexander by, he's sitting down in the chair there by the piano. We brought this piano, uh, an old, we bought an old piano and brought it to our ministry center, to our church. And Alexander, I came in the one day and he's laying on the floor of our ministry center. He's an older gentleman. He's laying on the floor. And on his own initiative, he saw that the bottom of the piano was all dinged up and the, the paint had peeled off. And he had gotten some paint. He was painting the bottom of the piano. He was looking for a way. He said, I want to serve. I want to give back to Christ. He's given so much to me. This church has given. He said, I want to I do the same thing. We saw him grow. We saw at every single men's prayer meeting, he was there with the other men sharing about how he had tried to commit suicide years before. He said, my father threw himself headfirst into our well when I was a little boy and killed himself. My grandfather hung himself from the rafters of the garage. He said, and I knew there was a, this curse on me. And he said, I tried to commit suicide. And he said, it didn't work. And, and my wife found me in time. It was when I was a young man. He said, but I believe God spared my life so I could find peace with God before I died a week before we came here to Ukraine. I just talked to him the night before on the phone. 
I got a phone call from an elderly lady in our church. She was sobbing. She said, did you hear what happened? Alexander, his wife Galena, and their daughter were driving from a a neighboring town and a drunk driver swerved into their lane and they were killed instantly, all of them. Just a few days before we came here to Ukraine, or to, to America a few weeks ago, we had his funeral. And you know, as I looked at him there, I thought, thank God that he found the acceptable time. Thank God that he found salvation in time. He's not one of those people that I see in those processions going down our village streets all the time, and I think, ah, it's too late for them. Thank God that he found peace with God through Jesus Christ. And I'm just so grateful that God is giving people a chance in our world today to find that acceptable time. Jesus said, now is the acceptable time. Don't delay. If you don't know Christ, if you don't have peace with God, do not delay. Don't put it off and say, when I'm a little bit older, when I'm a little farther down the line, when when things start straightening out in my life, then, then don't do it. Be right with God now. Come to him and find the forgiveness that he freely offers in Christ if we just ask and receive. You know, the last thing I want to mention, and I know I've gone long today, thank you for your patience, but I just want to mention that Jesus said, he said something else here in the very beginning. He said, the spirit of the Lord has anointed me to do this. Those of you that are believers, that are Christians here today, let's not forget We have been sent. He said, I'm sending you to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim the message of deliverance. But Jesus said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me to do this. How important it is for us to understand it's not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord. Jesus said, I am the vine. You are the branches and He that abideth in me and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. But without me, you can do nothing. You can't do any more than a branch can when it's separated from the vine. You've got to be in me. You've got to be abiding in me. And it's not just a matter of, well, sometime way back, I I repented and I was saved and I was baptized. How about right now? Are we abiding in Christ? Are we drawing from his spirit, from his strength every day? Are we living by faith every day? Because without his spirit anointing us, we are, we're going to be nothing when it comes to touching the lives around us. Without his spirit, his power, working unchecked and unhindered through our lives, we can do nothing. We, we're told in Ephesians 4.30, grieve not the Holy Spirit of God. In Thessalonians, we're told, quench not the Spirit. You see, the Spirit of the Lord, Jesus said, is upon me, and he's anointed me to do this. But if we have something in our life, and this is as missionaries on the mission field, we're aware of this all the time. If I've got something hidden in my life, if, if I am not a clean, holy vessel in, Christ, in God's hands for his Spirit to fill, if I'm full of myself, God can't fill me. If I've got sin or little areas of compromise or little areas that I'm grieving God's spirit, how can he use me? How can his spirit anoint me to, to preach deliverance, to recover the sight of the blind, to set those at liberty that are bruised? I want to make sure in my life, and I challenge you to be sure today as you search your own heart, God, let my 
life be empty of self and full of your spirit so that you can use me to touch the lives around me. Jesus said, so send I you. I've been sent and now I'm sending you. And I want you to go in the power of my spirit, not in yourself, not with your own words of wisdom, not with your own ideas, and, 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 but in my spirit. And I want you to touch your neighbor, your, your coworker, the students at your school, your friends, your family members. I want you to preach the acceptable year of the Lord through your life and through your words. I want to thank you as a church for the love you've shown our family, for standing by us, supporting us, enabling us to do the ministry that God's called us to do. Thank you for praying for us. Thank you because we see God answering prayers and we see souls that are in the kingdom of God, lives that are being changed that wouldn't be changed had it not been for God's working through the body of Christ, through you. So God bless you and just continue to pray for us and we'll continue to pray for you as well. Thank you. Let's stand for prayer. Heavenly Father, we come to you this morning with hearts full of gratitude because we know that truly it is not by might nor by power, but it is by your spirit. And we don't have to come up with a message. We don't have to come up with words. We don't have to come up with a plan because God, you've already given us your plan, your message You simply ask that we make ourselves available, that we say, Lord, here I am, send me. Just as you were sent and anointed with the Spirit of God, send me, God. Remove anything from my life that hinders your spirit. Remove anything questionable from my life so that I can be a clear channel through whom you can flow and bless and help and touch the lives around me. God, I want to live my life not for myself but for you. Oh, Lord, we thank you for the privilege of being missionaries. Each one of us, Lord, you have anointed to be missionaries. And I pray that you'd open our eyes to the harvest around us, not just in Ukraine, but right here in Akron, Ohio, right here in the United States. God, help us to be faithful. Thank you that you are faithful because you have called us and you will also fulfill the work that you've begun in our lives. I thank you for this church. I thank you for Lakeside and their desire, Lord, to invest in missions, their desire to reach out. And I pray, God, that your blessing would continue to be upon Pastor Peter, upon the elders, upon the members of this church, that they would be your instruments, your vessels to take this message of deliverance to the community and to the world around them. For all this, we give you thanks in Jesus' name.